Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, you know what time of the week it is. It is time for a little NBA draft talk. Welcome to the Believe in NBA Prospects show. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Across from me is my co-host, Michael Maxey. And we are the Tanking Support Group, where it is just fine to lose 11 games a year if you are in need of a superstar. Michael, another week has gone by. Tennessee has fallen out of the number one spot. And the Zion Williams Zion Williamson-led Duke team is back to number one of the country, as it should be. Uh, yeah, they're the best team in the nation. Uh, Tennessee, I, I really love what Kentucky's doing, too. So I think this tournament's going to be awesome. Michael, I think the the one thing that's most fun about this season for me, you know, Calipari with that Kentucky team, you know, it doesn't have the like the Zion Williamson's or the R.J. Barrett's, but the fact that he's been able to keep this team in the top ten of the country, I think this might be one of his better coaching jobs so far. I'm excited to see kind of how a – Instead of like a John Wall or an Anthony Davis-led Kentucky team, this is very much a a John Calipari-led team. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with this group. Absolutely. Obviously, Kentucky gets my attention every year because they always put lots of players in the NBA. But uh, John Calipari moving Ashton Haggins into the starting lineup, I think, was the turning point. Great call. Because- because his defense is just ridiculous. He uh, he doesn't shoot a lot. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I think Keldon Johnson's getting a lot more looks now. I think Ashton Haggins has been able to incorporate him. He looks like he might be a, a top 10 pick. Uh, he's been playing really great. There's just, mm-hmm. they're so talented. Obviously, they don't have the top three players in the nation, but they're so talented. I would not be surprised if they're in the final four. I, I agree. Just, you know, with, with how Calipari just runs the table usually. But we'll always have one. We'll have a couple of upsetting teams this year, I'm sure. It feels like it kind of feels like one of those years where obviously after Duke, you know, Tennessee and whatever. But feels like we have a lot of like lower tier teams that are going to get it done this year in the tournament. I'm, I'm excited. We'll, we'll have a great month of March. Oh, uh, month, month of March is my favorite month of the year. I, I love well, it. I, it's just it's wall to wall basketball and wall to wall. My wife, my wife mad at me. So it's fantastic. <laughs> so, Michael, we are going to do something quite fun today. So last week, you and I went through our top five prospects and kind of went through the best fit and worst fit for each one of those players. Today, we are going to do our first of what will likely be many mock drafts. However, we're going to throw a little spin on it today. So first rule, we are only going to do the lottery. So we're just going to do the top four teams. Correct. Second, our lottery order is going to be provided to us by Tankathon. So we're going to sim the lottery, and we're just going to go for it. So Michael and I will go back and forth. We'll each keep picking players, obviously, until we get to 14. And then from there, we'll we'll go back. We'll review if there's any that are like big-time steals or a couple drops. We'll definitely note them as we go. But Michael, welcome, welcome here. I gotta play. Uh, I gotta play a little, little dramatic music. Welcome to the first. Oh, that's not the right music. Oh, that that wasn't what we're looking for at all. That was wild. I liked sad. it though. I liked it. It was. It was. It, if you have a bad take, I'll play it for you. But that was just kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, well, no, we're the tanking support group. I try so I not to have bad takes. Person. That's fair. I, you know what? We all do, but even the best of us slip up from time to time. Correct. <laughs> I did say Giannis was not a, not going to step up two years ago. And here we are today with him just literally dunking all over everybody. All right, Michael, you ready for it? You ready to, uh, to randomize our lottery here and Let's attack the day? All righty. So, again, for those of you who don't know what Tankathon is, go to tankathon.com. You can randomize their NBA draft lottery simulator. You can look at their big board. They have different mock drafts. It's a great uh, website for the – the, the the NBA draft fans out there who aren't looking for like deep, deep analysis, but like the surface level stuff. Tankathon does a great job. So here we go. Drum roll, please. And get the little little where are my where are my little drums. Ready? There we go. Drum roll. The first pick in the NBA draft this year goes to the Atlanta Hawks. Huge upset for the number one overall pick. Michael. I'm going to give it to you. You can pick for the Atlanta Hawks at number one overall. Well, with the first pick in the 2019 NBA draft, they will take none other than Zion Williamson from Duke. 
six foot six, anywhere from six foot six, six foot eight. I've heard, seen him listed. The guy's just a beast. He's going to be awesome in Atlanta. He's going to be able to uh, slide right in, probably on the four slot. And uh, I think this is a, a big coup. If Atlanta can get the number one pick, this would just be amazing with Trey Young, Jack, and threes, and given Ali Oops to Zion. They are going to be the, one of the most fun teams to watch in the With NBA. another top 10 pick coming up at pick number nine because they have the Dallas Mavericks pick from the Luka Doncic trade. So even bigger. It's, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great. Day I like that them. with the Hawks. So, uh, you know, just with Zion, obviously he's going to go number one overall. But I feel like pairing Zion Williamson and John Collins together down low is just a very good modern day front court. And I think the two of them will be able to do a ton of damage. I like that. I mean. You're almost going to have to. I mean, I guess you could slide Zion into and just be a rough mm-hmm. three, and you could run him and Collins if you can get a shot mm-hmm. blocker. Or you could move Collins to the center. It, 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 there's, there's so many different things you can do with this lineup. I like Trae Young and, and Zion would certainly be, be, be a special time. Let's go to number two here. The number two overall pick, another big-time upset. It's the Memphis Grizzlies who keep – their lottery pick. Remember, if it falls out of the top six, it goes to the Celtics. So Memphis getting another number two is a big coup here. I'm going to kind of follow along with you know what what we would expect to happen to the draft without injuries. If I'm Memphis, I am absolutely taking R.J. Barrett. Now I see John Morant on the board, and I wonder to myself, do I trade Mike Conley on draft night for a lottery pick and take John Morant? Maybe, maybe I do. But in this case, I think if they get Mike, if they keep Mike Conley, they get the number two pick, they're going to take RJ Barrett. They slot him into the wing. You can play the two or the three. He's a great combination with Jaron Jackson Jr. And all of a sudden, you have two top five picks that can make the NBA jealous. They have a great front court right now. I love what they're doing with Jaron Jackson Jr. He's great. And also, Memphis would give RJ Barrett a stage. I think that he's a guy who is going to be like a I-want-my-own-team kind of guy in the NBA, and you give him to Memphis, you let Zion go to Atlanta, I think R.J. Barrett is going to blossom as a as a great wing player. He can end up being a Paul George-level player if he gets coached up correctly in Memphis. I'm going to take Barrett at two. Oh, I love that pick. That's just that's amazing. It's almost like a perfect fit it really for him. Uh, I don't, Memphis's wings are it's it's kind of a mosh of unlikely people all together meshed up in their wings. And if they can get some stability, whether it's at the two, whether it's at the three, get another shooter next to him, along with Mike Conley. Plus, I think R.J. Barrett's uh, playmaking skills have just blossomed in the last uh, month or two. And I think, I mean, can you imagine him and Jaron Jackson running the break or Conley leading the break with those two guys? Memphis would be also fun to watch. Uh, maybe not as fun as Atlanta, but they would definitely be fun. And I think RJ Barrett's outside shots starting to the, come around. I oh, think he sure. is. Uh, yeah, I think he's. I a think stud. the coup also here for the Memphis Grizzlies. Dude, just imagine a half court offense with Jaron Jackson Jr. and RJ Barrett. Sure, at first it might be a little rough because I, I still don't know how RJ Barrett's shot is going to translate to the NBA. But the the amount of just pick and roll chaos that you could cause with those two is just not fair. Because I actually think R.J. Barrett's a better ball handle than people give him credit for. And I think at the NBA level, he'll be fine handling the ball on a half-court offense. I would love to see him run a pick and roll with Jaron Jackson Jr. That'd be a great combo. Be very Mike Conley oh and uh, Marcus Saul-esque, if you ask me. Oh, my goodness. You're exactly right. They can run a 2-5 a, a if JX is at the 5 or the 4. Uh, pick and roll. They can have him roll and they can pick and pop. Jackson can shoot from the outside. It's There's just a lot of elements to R.J. Barrett fitting in. And I understand that uh, grabbing Morant would maybe be, you know, if you could find someone to take Conley, but you're not going to just give Conley away. You're going to need a good deal. And also, Conley. if, and if I don't, you're the Grizzlies and you draft Barrett, do you want to trade Conley? Like, wouldn't you rather just keep Conley in his contract and just kind of let him nurture, like, the next young, like, like great Memphis Grizzly. I actually think they'd keep him if they get a top three pick. I I agree with you 100%. And I understand we're supposed to probably disagree on things. It makes I too agree much with you sense. 100% on everything with, with, with uh, Conley. Cause you're right. He could, um, he could uh, mentor those two young players and uh, basically help them blossom. And then when Conley decides to leave, either he, he either re-ups or he goes someplace else and tries to win. Because the Grizzlies' know? clear plan is to keep Conley and then deal him on draft night if they lose their first-round pick. Like, that's just – they've made – like, they, they with not trading with the deadline, 
he, he's going to get dealt in the draft if the Celtics get their pick because they got to get someone in the top five that can play basketball with Jaron Jackson Jr. So, yeah, I, I, I fully expect Memphis to have this pick. I can't see that. They're just going to lose a lot of games, I, I would say, the rest of the season. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to rely on where they're picking. Let's go to up. number three. And at number three, probably the most disappointed franchise in the NBA is the New York Knicks. Now, we have a lot of fantastic players on the board. Michael, obviously the probable pick would be John Morant, but with Dennis Smith Jr. in town, do you have a surprise pick for us? I do. I am going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to take Cam Reddish. At Ooh, I like it. Just because I, John Morant, while he is spectacular and he's got, I think, more point guard skills than Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith's doing a lot of the things for the Knicks that I think John Morant will do, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, minus maybe, I think he's much more of a playmaker, but uh, we don't know what the Knicks free agency plans are. We don't know if, if Kyrie and Durant is a real possibility. And now you could put Reddish, uh, you could either, I mean, if we're, it, hypothetically, let's say you get Durant, you could. I think you could play Reddish as a two. Or if you don't, you play him at the three, you play Knox at the four. I think there's a... I love the NBA now, how it's so versatile. Players can play multiple positions. I think Reddish needs his shot to come back, which he did last week for a game. Um, but I would I would like his shot to come back, and I would feel much more confident with his pick. But uh, as of right now, I'm just going to stick if with there's one person, If there's one coach in the NBA who I would actually trust to develop uh, Cam Reddish in the way that he needs to be developed, it, it's probably... I'm totally blank. I can't believe I just had his name on it. It's probably the head coach in the New York Knicks whose name is Thank you, Fisdale. Good Lord, my brain just totally pooped out. Sorry, guys. I drove three hours from Austin to Dallas today. But I think if if Fisdale would be the perfect coach to be able to coach up Cam Reddish, especially with how his shot is a little bit struggling. But we saw in a couple of Duke games over the past couple weeks that he's really started to get more adventurous with his shot taking. We've seen him start to try to, you know, input like step back threes into his game I've seen him try to go to the hole a little bit more he's just trying to develop an offensive game on the fly while being on the number one team I think going to the Knicks with Durant next to him and there not being a lot of scoring pressure on him there is one worry though with that pick though Michael Knicks Knicks fans uh, are gonna that? hate you because they they're it? gonna say that you just drafted the Ford version of uh Frankie Smokes so I don't know you might no. get run out of town in New York. <laughs> well, the, the the thing about the draft is the Knicks are going to boo whoever That's they true. take. That's a good point. Unless it's Zion. The Knicks course. fans. <laughs> Unless it's Zion. Exactly. Let's go to number four. At number four, with the number four overall pick, probably one of the greatest saving graces of any franchise ever. At number four, the New Orleans Pelicans facing down the barrel of trading the best player in their franchise history and falling into their lap at number four, the point guard they have been waiting for, for how long has it been since that franchise traded Chris Paul? It's been about a decade now, right? And and then they traded for Drew Holiday and he'd rather play. He'd rather play the two guard. So we at number four, the New Orleans Pelicans, you can have Anthony Davis, totally fine. I am totally okay rebuilding my team around Ja Morant, the point guard for Murray State, getting some Russell Westbrook athletic comparisons. I Personally, I find the Russell Westbrook comparison to be a little bit lazy. Just, just personally, I don't – look, he's super athletic, yes. But comparing anyone to Russell Westbrook – is is kind of difficult because of how Westbrook's career has panned out and has gone in so many different directions. To me, I think John Moran is going to be one of those guys who's just so unbelievably unique in the sport that eventually someone is going to get comparisons to him. He's, He's not really like anything in the NBA right now in terms of a combination of athleticism, explosiveness, along with his youth and his playmaking ability. It's just he is such a brilliant combo of a couple different skills. My worry with him, though, if you're the Pelicans, you obviously take him in instantly. I wonder what his fit is going to be like next to Drew Holiday. Because John Morant, to me, and I think, Michael, you can agree with this, too. He is a guy in the NBA who who needs to have the ball in his hands to be effective. But Drew Holiday does also, as does Julius Randle. So I wonder if the fit is a little bit iffy, but with, 
with his talent on the board, you almost have to take him. Oh, it's a no-brainer to take him right here. Uh, and then you worry about the the rest later. I fully expect New Orleans to get a top-five pick, and, and I fully expect them to deal Drew Holiday. Ooh, that's interesting. Just, that's just my opinion. I know that his name was bandied about. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to bring in – so basically you're going to trade Anthony Davis. You're going to get a bunch of players, and um, and Drew Holiday is going to be happy. I can't see it. You know, I, I just think that he's going to probably want out. But if he stays – I. You're right, and he needs the ball in his hands. Whether he's playing off the ball, I mean, quote unquote, off the ball because he's not playing, you know, taking up point guard responsibilities. But he's still got the ball in his hands a lot. You're right. Once the ball goes down into Julius Randle, sometimes he's a black hole, um, and you wonder if he can, uh, you know, become a better passer. Uh, but the problem is that Julius Randle's just such a beast down low. You just let him work. You know, uh, Morant's going to get a lot of loose ball deflections. He's just going to be exciting to watch. That's what I love about this draft. I think the top five, there's so many exciting mm-hmm. players. And uh, if New Orleans if New Orleans gets fortunate to be in the top five, I think Morant's going to be high on their list. Absolutely. I think another thing with Morant that is going to – this is why New Orleans is going to be a good destination for him. And again, no, no hate coming from me over here. John Morant is currently playing for Murray State, a, a school where his athleticism and his potential NBA draft stock just – wildly eclipses the relevancy of the school. So if you're Morant, it'd be really tough to go from a, go from that program where you are the guy, you have the ball in your hands in every single important moment. I think it'd be tough for him to go to a New York who could get a big time free agent and Morant isn't getting those big shots. I think he'd be a weird fit in Phoenix with Devin Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton. Again, another place where he's not going to be the guy. But if he goes to New Orleans and Anthony Davis gets traded, that's the perfect landing spot for him. He gets to be the guy. He'll, his usage rate is going to be outrageous as a rookie, but it'll be a good transition for him into the NBA. Absolutely. Nothing like you know getting your feet wet right away. And uh, obviously, Anthony Davis is going to be mm-hmm. traded. And I don't know what kind of assets they're going to get back for him. Um, if ball, My guess is if Ball's involved, he will be sent to a third team. So that's still going to open up a spot for uh, Morant or um, if they make a deal with Boston, I don't think they're going to get a point mm-hmm. guard back. So, I mean, there's so many endless possibilities with how this roster is going to look next mm-hmm. year. And uh, getting a top four pick would just be icing on the, the you know, the cake of what was really a rocky couple weeks during the deadline uh, and uh, maybe put them back in the positive um, fan base. Cause right now things are just, Things are so bad in New Orleans. Um, I have a feeling they're just going to have a bad second half. Of oh, it, it's going to go downhill real fast. Speaking of going downhill real fast, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. They have the pick at number five. And if you can listen closely, you can hear the entire city of Phoenix flipping their collective tables over not having John Moran eventually fall to them. So the number one point guard on the board is gone. The other two, the other three Duke guys are gone. So we are through the top four prospects for both of us. Phoenix, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, who you, who do you pair with them? Well, I know me and you really both like this guy. Um, unfortunately, he's coming off of a knee injury, and uh, he's the next best point guard on the list, and they need a point guard worse than anything. I'm going to give him Darius Garland Ooh. or Vanderbilt. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a gamble, and like you and me both agree, if he was healthy, he'd probably be fifth on our draft mm-hmm. boards. Uh, if he can come in and work out and get himself back into the top five talk, Phoenix is, is, is point guard hungry. They're so point guard hungry that they took on a ton of money in Tyler Johnson to run point. That's not a good idea. Have you seen that guy? <laughs> have you seen that guy run? It's not point? great. It's not it great, is, Michael. <laughs> it's bad. It's terrible. So I, I, I think that, um, Garland is a perfect fit here. Like we said, the knee injury, it's going to be a problem. I, you know, and and what I like about Garland is, is is Garland's not like John Morant. He's not going to. I mean, his usage rate may be up, but he knows how to defer. And he'd have Booker and Aiton, uh, Booker on the wing. He'd have Josh Jackson on a wing, Mikael Bridges on a wing, and he'd have Aiton down low that he can, you know, feed the ball to. And I think he could he could average eventually ten assists a game. I just think he's that type of I like player. It. I, I like the pick. I think that he'll end up being good in the NBA. And, and again, the Suns aren't trying to be good right now. So if he needs a year to like get his legs under him, 
literally. And I think that actually makes a good amount of sense. Though, I'm, I am surprised with the Garland pick. Because if you're the Suns, you're coming off number one overall, taking a center. You just gave Devin Booker that massive contract. I, I wonder how patient Phoenix is going to be uh, is going to w- be willing to be with Garland. Though, I will say this. Well... I was I'm skeptical if this Garland injury was really going to keep him out all season, and I wonder if he's oh, pulling yeah, a Bosa and is like, I'm injured, I could come back, but I should probably just prep for the draft, right? And that's I mean, he's happened. already declared for yeah, the draft. Exactly. He's already declared for there the draft. And, and not only that, looking at my draft board, um, in the top ten, actually in the top eleven, I got five of the uh, five of the six are are wings. Mm-hmm. You know, and Phoenix doesn't need any more wings. Mm-hmm. They're all winged out. All winged they out. have a really good one. They have a good one in Booker. Yeah. They have a guy who's starting to come along in Josh Bridges, and they have a defensive stalwart in Mikhail Bridges. I don't think another wing would fit in their That's fair. roster. So they need a top three That's pick. Fair. They need a top three pick bad. That's true. Very true. Well, that's our top five. You guys are listening to the Believe in NBA Prospects show. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Across from me is my co-host, Michael Mancy. We are the Tanking Support Group. If you guys want to see Michael and I's big board along with the combination of the other writers at upandunder.net, go to that exact website, upandunder.net, and go click on our big board tab. You guys can see where we rank all of these guys. So let's go to number six now, Michael. At number six is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Huge, huge, huge draft pick for Kobe Altman as the GM of the Cavs. He, they definitely reached last year for Colin Sexton. I think, you know, he's a good player. It's working out, though. It's working working out. out. You know, it was a reach, but, you know, it was a reach that the player would, how do I explain this? I want to put this in in the correct terms. The player's skill set wasn't a reach for the pick. However, there were players on the board that were better than him. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could. Because I they say desperately that. needed yeah. a point guard. They they just needed someone to build a franchise around, and he was the best guard on the board. And and I really do think that they thought LeBron was out the door, yeah. anyways. And I, and I think that they wanted an exciting player, and Sexton's an exciting. Player. So now, if you if like, you're the Cavs, you reached kind of last year for Colin Sexton. You're Kobe Altman. You're trying to save your job. You didn't get a top three pick. All that tanking for nothing. You got to go with a safe pick here. You got to go safe. You got to go with someone who you can just slot in. You know is going to get buckets. You can develop him easily. He's coming to the NBA with a lot of tools ready to go. I'm taking Jared Culver from Texas Tech. Oh, I love you so much. I I love it. That is the pick I wanted. I thought for sure you were going to take your boy. No, I swear. I, 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 you I was thinking about Langford, but I think in a modern day NBA where the Cavs, again, who I think are going to make a safe pick this year, they cannot reach for like a Sekou Dumbia or a Nazir Little. They can't reach like that again for athleticism. They need someone with NBA ready tools. Now, I question Jarrett Culver's ceiling as an NBA player. I think he could be a guy like a CJ McCollum who hits his ceiling at a pretty responsible age, and then it's just that good for his NBA career. And if you can draft C.J. McCollum into Jarrett Culver, then you're going to make that every day of the week. So he's a great combo with Sexton. He can provide them with a little bit of outside shooting. He's explosive around the rim. They need a – Colin Sexton, to me, will always be better if he has a go-to guy. He's a great quarterback. I think he'd be a great floor general if given the proper tools. And Jared Culver is the first of many tools that'd be great to put next to Colin Sexton. So Culver from Texas Tech, he's also a little bit older than some of the guys. He's a sophomore, uh, 20 years old right now. I like his age. I like his NBA-ready tools. I think he's a safe pick for Kobe Altman. I I love it. I really do. Jared Culver was the guy I was hoping you'd pick. I (laughs) thought for sure you are going to take your boy Langford. I got to wait on him. But you're right. I think Culver... I think Culver is the safe pick. I think Culver has proven himself more than Langford has. Uh, and, and I just think, I, I just love Culver's game. He Every time I watch him, he moves up on my board. I love him. I, that is, he's one of my favorite players to watch. My only problem is, is he's not, he's so passive. Yes. I want him I want him to take the ball, and I want him to dunk over the biggest guy but out there. But that's what Colin Sexton's uh, for. Well, I get that. But that's what I want that's Culver right, to be, right. because I think, I think Culver would be he he he's so talented and um and I know he didn't get the you know a lot of uh usage last year with uh, Zaire Smith there but 
I think he's going to be the better player on the next level by far. Definitely agreed. All right, number seven, another just another devastating drop. All all the teams that needed high picks dropped out. At number seven, the Chicago Bulls. Still a lot of talent left on the board, though. But in terms of fit, I, I don't know, Michael. I'm a little bit stuck here. Who do you have the Bulls getting? Well, they need a point guard. They're not sold on Chris Dunn. There are no point guards available um, this high up because the top two point guards are gone. I think they're going to go with probably the safest pick uh, in this area. Probably won't be a starter, but it'll be an anchor in the second unit. I'm going with DeAndre Hunter. Ooh, I like it. You, you're way higher on him than I am, but you. I am, but I see his. I've almost put his defense before his offense, and um, which I normally don't do. I don't do that on any other prospect, but for some reason I, I have on him. And like I've told you, my five changes every week. My six, change they change every week. It, it's crazy. I've never seen a draft this in flux, this, even this close to March. So I, liked, I like Hunter going here. Uh, obviously the Bulls would like a point guard and they would be devastated if they fell here. I think also with the Bulls, look, they did trade for Otto Porter. He's played a lot of good minutes for them so far this season. Levine is there. But I think if you're trying to like project the future of the Bulls, you don't draft Wendell Carter Jr. if you're not trying to build through defense. And Hunter's going to bring that to them. He, he absolutely, and I think you could see a a, a forward rotation of Hunter Porter and um, uh, Markinen, and uh, and they could even go small too at Markinen in the middle when Carter needs a rest. Mm-hmm. So there's just there's just different things they can do with a lineup that looks like this, and it's it was it was tough for me because I don't think I'm trying to say how I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but I don't think there would be enough minutes for a a wing. Uh, like a like a more of a shooting guard because Levine's going to get a lot of minutes if that makes sense and I just don't think that they're going to waste their time developing a wing when they just signed they just signed Levine, uh, to, that huge Levine to a big deck big contract and Porter they can always change their mind on so and also at seven so, with Chicago if they do end up with that pick and both their both the top point guards are off the board I don't think they'd reach for like a Kobe White or or uh, the, the kid from St. John's whose name is currently uh, uh, escaping me. Uh, Shamori Yeah, Pons. exactly. I, I just I don't yeah. think they're going to bring in someone like that. I actually think if they end up at seven, I think they trade that pick. I, I think they're out of there. They, they're gone. Oh, I think I think if they anywhere outside the top five, they trade. Because the if they're at seven, Absolutely. maybe, you know, because, again, uh, one thing I didn't mention at the start, uh, in this simulator that we have done, the Lakers, the Kings both missed the playoffs. So they are both in the lottery hilariously, or I guess the Lakers. So this would be a prime spot for me if I was the Lakers to trade up to seven. And maybe you start looking at a couple like, you know, maybe a Romeo oh, Langford. Maybe you take a little bit of a, of a fun pick. Maybe you take Bull Bull if you're the Lakers at seven, trade up and take a little project. I don't know. It'd be fun. I would be okay with Bull Bull. <laughs> Let's move on. I like Let's him. Let's move on from the Bulls. At number eight, we got the Wizards. So oh boy. if I'm the Wizards, I'm pissed because you you just took my guy in DeAndre Hunter. You just took my instant Probably. auto porter like fix. So Probably, I, yeah. I now have Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. I still have Bradley Beal. John Wall will return. I, I have no clue. I, I just have no idea when John Wall is going to come back. Dwight Howard's going to be gone. So they need to start building through talent and length. They lost a lot of an auto porter. So at number where, where are we at right here at number eight, eight, I'm going to take Jackson Hayes from Texas. Now oh, wow. I'm worried about his modern day or his fit in the modern day NBA. I, you know, if you're a big man, yeah, he's more of a, post. you got to be able to move. You got to be able to shoot from the outside. But if you're the Wizards and you're trying to create a, a team that builds well together, especially now with the injuries you have, you need to look towards Indiana. You need to go see what they're doing with Oladipo and mimic that with Bradley Beal. Now, Miles Turner, ha- another center from Texas, ironically, has not turned into the player they thought he was going to be, but he makes their offense and their defense work in a lot of really creative ways. He comes off the pick and roll well. He can work well in the post. He can eat up people on defense. And I think Jackson Hayes, he won't start his first year, 
But the more and more you involve him with Beal and Portis and Wall, I think his offensive game is just going to blossom. You could not have asked for some better distributors to help him get open looks. And eventually, if he's a center in 2019 and he's serious about being like an, a great NBA player, he will learn how to shoot. I'm not worried about that. Uh, look at Brooke Lopez. Exactly. Brooke Lopez just learned He's how to 34 shoot. years old and is now raining threes from 37 feet. Like, it's wild. Like Brooke <laughs> Lopez, six years ago, if you told me he'd be the best three-point shooter on the first seed in the East, I, I would have slapped you in the face. <laughs> it makes no sense. Absolutely. That's a little high for me it for is Jackson Hayes. It is. However, he would fit a need because they're going to need – they're going to have a need in the middle at center – and you're right. I don't know how he's going to be switching. He sometimes looks I – don't, I don't know if it's – he looks a little bit lazy on the court sometimes. You could tell he's got all the gifts. He's got all the gifts that he's going to be a, a good player. Uh, I just don't see – I don't know. Maybe it's this millennial thing. They, they just don't look like they have fire out there. They're just going through the motions. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit – I'm a little bit confused what Washington is going to do. They are. Too. They're going to have oh, a glare, well, they're going to have a glaring hole at point guard because John Wall is going to be gone. But do you take a point guard? No, because John Wall is eventually coming back. You know, and you're uh, tied to him for have three years at forty million dollars plus for the next three years. Yeah, no one's taking that unless LeBron strikes out six times on free agency. Then maybe you could trade for him. But uh, it's just, um, it's it, Washington's in a bad spot right now. Th- then that's they're in a real bad. That's kind of why this pick was really tough because you know you look at the guys left on our board. You know, you have like a Brandon Clark with Gonzaga, Romeo Langford, Indiana, uh, Keldon Johnson with Kentucky. I mean, if you really wanted to reach, you could take Dumbia. It's just if you're the Wizards there, I think I know that filling needs is a very like unpopular thing. And I know that sometimes you just draft the best player available. I honestly don't know who the best player available is, and I think the Wizards are going to fall in love with Jackson Hayes' length and athleticism, just like they've done in the past with, you know, a Jan Vesely or or even the, the past couple of years when they, you know, drafted a Kelly Oubre. Like they love length, they love athleticism, and I think they're going to fall in love with Jackson Hayes. That's very possible. Very possible. All right, let's go to our next pick here. Let's go to number nine. So at number nine fell the Dallas Mavericks. However, as mentioned before. The Dallas Mavericks do not have their first-round pick this year. They traded it to the Hawks in the Trey Young-Luka Doncic trade. So you are back on the clock as the Hawks, Michael. Just make you the GM at this point. Wow. Uh, The Hawks. So you already have Zion. You got Trey Young. You drafted Kevin Herter in the late first last year. He's been a nice pick. John Collins has come along quite well the past two years. So you're packed with young talent now, and you can add to it in a big way here. So I'm going to go to the modern-day NBA, and I am going to move John Collins to center. That leaves Zion as my power forward, and I'm going to take Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. I like it. And I'm going to match him with with Horder and uh, Trey Young for my guards and wings, and I am going to just let all the jumpers fly. I love it. I, that's it. a good fit. Uh, you know, and, and I wanted to reach for Bull Bull. I really did right here. I just wanted I to. Honestly I honestly thought you were going to take it. Bull Bull. <laughs> I, oh my God. So cool. I wanted to so bad. But if now, hypothetically, if the Hawks did not draft Zion with number one, I might have went Bull mm-hmm. Bull. But I want Zion to be more of, I don't want him to be more of a wing, if that makes sense. Are you worried? Are you worried about Keldon Johnson's defense in the NBA? A little bit, a little bit, but I'm also worried about Trey Young. Yeah, I'm all. I'm also worried about Hoarders, who's, who. I mean, he's he's not he's not as bad as the other two. Um, I just think that that they're just going to score 140 points a game <laughs> and just hope for the best. You know, and and Zion's not even a great defender. He's a good. I think he's a. I, I shouldn't say that. He's he's got it better. Um, he's a real good help. I'll, I'll give he you this, Michael. I'll give you this. Instincts. We have no idea if Zion's going to be a good defender in the NBA yet. We just don't. He's a true mystery. He is. Oh my goodness, he is definitely a mystery in this draft. But um, I like I like the way he comes and help defense, and uh, and John Collins can help defend. John Collins not really a typical modern day five, but. You know, I mean, at this day and age, it's just basically put a point guard out there, a couple shooters and a couple bigs, and you just run with it. 
So I think that's what the Hawks are going to do here. We've, we've, we've picked a lot of good players so far. Let's go back through and we'll kind of, we're going to list off players. So we're about to hit the number 10 pick who I'll, I'll, I'll announce in a second. So number one overall, we have the Atlanta Hawks taking Zion Williamson. And number two, we have the Memphis Grizzlies taking RJ Barrett. And number three, the New York Knicks, who, again, the saddest fan base in the NBA. They do not get Zion. They end up with Cam Reddish, who I actually think is a pretty good consolation prize. Number four, after the Knicks, was the New Orleans Pelicans. They somehow end up with John Morant, and they are totally fine trading Anthony Davis now. Phoenix, well, you gave Phoenix, correct me if I'm wrong, you gave Phoenix... Um, Darius Garland. Darius Garland, thank you. I, I wrote down his name incorrectly. Good job by me. I can't even spell, nor can I speak. Cleveland at number six. <laughs> this was a fun one for me. I gave them Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. Number seven, the Chicago Bulls. You went DeAndre Hunter, who might not start right away, but will definitely help them reignite the defense on that team. And then at number eight with the Wizards, I had them reaching for Jackson Hayes, the center out of Texas. Then right there at number nine for the Atlanta Hawks. An, an interesting pick for sure. But at the end of the day, at the Atlanta Hawks, they get Keldon Johnson, the small forward for Kentucky. We're at number 10 now. We got four picks left, Michael. We're getting close. Or five picks, I should say. I can't count. I can't spell. I can't speak. Not a great day for me. It's been a long day. It really has. Three hours of driving, especially with Texas drivers, is just not what you're looking for. At number 10, it's the Orlando Magic. Really interesting team. Interesting. Really interesting team. Desperate for a point guard, but just traded for Markel Fultz. So you wonder if they want to invest more assets at point guard if they just got Fultz. On a side note, I think that they fully expect Markel Fultz to be their starting point guard next year. Exactly. Agreed. That's just my opinion. They still, obviously, you know, Mo Bamba they drafted last year, Aaron Gordon they gave that huge huge contract to. I would expect, while I'm making this pick, I am expecting Nikola Vucevic to leave. I think he's gone. I don't know why they keep him. So if I'm the Magic and I'm scanning my board, I'm looking for a player who I think can fit well next to Markel Fultz. It's a tough one. Might be a little bit of a reach, but he's my guy. I'm I'm going to go with Romeo Langford here. I had a feeling you were. It just – this feels like the right landing spot for him because – well, Markel Fultz is going to – I think he's just going to continue to struggle in the NBA shooting. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where you look up and you're like, wow, Markel Fultz is shooting 51% for the season like we see Kyrie Irving do sometimes. But right. Langford is going to be able to be on the opposite end of a lot of great, great backcourt moves with Markel Fultz. I know his three-point shot isn't great. I know he has a lot of question marks maybe about effort. But I think Orlando would be a nice landing spot for him. You have already your center in Mobamba, and you have your primary score in Aaron Gordon. It might just open up more shots for Romeo Langford. And I want to say one more thing. While Langford's three-point shot might be pretty terrible right now, it, it's really bad, there is no way that Romeo Langford, at the age of 19 years old, is not going to get better at three-point shooting. It's just impossible. There's no way. He's oh, not I agree 100%. He literally Absolutely. cannot get worse. So if he wants to be a real NBA player, I think he's going to have to improve his three-point shot. But Orlando is probably the best place for him to do that with all the other options on their team. It's just, man, that backcourt is going to suck at shooting for a really long time until Langford develops. <laughs> Well, I hate to tell you, but that whole uh, starting lineup is going to suck at shooting because I'm not the biggest Aaron Gordon fan. I'm not either. Um, I would never have given him that money. Um, One thing that is cool about that contract, though, is that it decreases in total payments every single year. So the most he got paid was actually this year. This year. And and you know what, though? I don't think he makes that contract. I I really think he's He's so getting traded. He is because I don't think him and and Jonathan Isaac are a good match up front. I just don't like it. Oh, I don't like it at all. Yeah, with Isaac, too. That whole team can't shoot. (laughs) So you got a starting lineup that can't shoot. And and I'm wondering because Orlando in this crazy thing we watch called the NBA is on a tear. They beat the Bucks by 20. They beat who they beat Phoenix by like 38 points or something. Oh, yeah. They've won like seven of the last 10. They are on fire with that terrible starting lineup. I mean, DJ Augustine's probably the best shooter on the starting five right That's now. That's not great. But that's not great. That's not no, what you want. It, it, and, and he was good back in the day, but 
I mean, he's getting older. I don't get it, or I don't get Orlando. Um, my only thing with with Langford is here is I think Orlando thinks that they're ready to. They're ready. I think Orlando thinks they're where Brooklyn is right now. Okay, that's and I think that's where they feel that they're going to be. So I don't that's know if they're going to be their D'Angelo Russell guy who may need some time. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fair. I'll give that to you. But I mean, that's my only problem with it. Other than that, I think that's the two guard point. might be. You know, but at this point, there ain't really any other guards right now because we've eaten them all up so and and michael they can't I mean, they might, can't take another forward they 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 just can't they can't do it you cannot draft oh, it's orlando forward. they could if they wanted to i mean I, I, oh, yeah but then 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 they're the sacramento kings from five years ago who drafted like a, a four like six years in a row in the first round you just you can't do it they have to go guard. yeah, yeah I, I don't i don't understand i mean you're right you, the good analogy with Sacramento. That's fantastic. Poor Thomas I mean, Robinson, man. That guy was supposed to be good, and he just got drafted by the wrong team. It's you know what the sad part is. What the sad part is is Willie Cully Stein is the best pl- player in that starting five I, well, or in he, that uh, in that starting big man. Oh yeah, he's crazy. He, he I, I'm actually very happy with how he's he's developed in the NBA. He he can't shoot, but that's fine. They basically said you can only do about five things well and they just made him really really good at those five things he can run the floor really well in transition he can rim protect really well i'm i'm big on the kings I, i'm i think they're gonna make the playoffs next year or maybe this year we'll see all right who's who's at 11 at 11 you have a very interesting pick here because not only are the miami heat at pick number 11 there are some rumors that this might be pat riley's last first round pick so you know he's going to want to go out on a high horse here. You're at number 11. This might be a good reaching spot if there's someone you like, but if there's a safe pick you're looking at, you could also go that way. Uh, I'm going to reach a little bit just because I think this is a Pat Riley type of guy. I'm going to take Nasir Little. Ooh, uh, interesting. His, his stock has slipped, obviously, as of late. I still see him getting a lot of um, lottery love, and uh, I just think that he's a, a good uh, pick for – Miami, uh, Justice Winslow is not his best position is now point guard. I don't Which know how not, long they're. He is the LeBron James point forward. Like it, it's crazy to see. Like he literally made a position, and Justice Winslow is that position. It's cool to watch. I, I, I mean, exactly. So now you got, and then you got a couple wings. I mean, L- Little's not going to be a starter his first year. No one who's picked at, at eleven for Miami is going to probably be a starter next year, unless they get it like a four because their four has been fluctuating all season. But uh, I, I just think Little is a Pat Riley type of guy. He's tough. He's big. He's strong. Uh, he does a lot of little things. He is not a great one-on-one defender. Um, or he was a great one-on-one defender, but he hasn't really shown it at North Carolina. I mean, obviously, going from high school to uh, college is a big step up for these kids. Yeah, really. Um, and he just hasn't. He, he, he's he's uh, been laid on rotations. But I think you put him with Eric Spolstra, who is a defensive-minded coach, and you just unleash Nasir Little, I think he has a chance to be a uh, a dynamite defensive player, and um, his offensive game is starting to come around. He's had a couple good games for North Carolina. I would just – I just I like the reach. I like it. That, that, it that's it a just, good reach. It's just – I mean, I don't really – like I said, the talent from like, I don't know, six on is just – It's nuts. And also it's, with the Miami Heat, if you're if you're them, you trust Spolstra enough to take a Nasir Little to know that, that he's going to be able to turn him into an NBA guy. Spolstra's probably uh, he's top three or four Spolstra. coach in this NBA. I'm such a fan uh, of his. Oh, uh, you know he what? He doesn't and, get the and, love he deserves. You know, and I know he didn't get a lot of credit for the Miami Heat team because obviously LeBron was the guy, but yeah. uh, Eric Spolstra, he made that his team. You know and. They won two championships. I know. I know it's not. I know it's easy. People always say like it's easy to make the playoffs in the East, but like go look at the roster that Eric Spolstra had last year and ask yourself how did this dude get that team to the playoffs? How how uh, it, how is that crazy. even possible? That team was awful. Their best player was Hassan Whiteside, who played like twelve minutes a night by like the game eighty. It was awful. He couldn't do anything with Justice Winslow. Couldn't do anything with Justice Nothing. Winslow. And then and then Goran Dragic gets hurt, and then he's like, huh, I don't have a point guard. Yeah, Justice, you're going to run the team right now. And th- they've been doing really well. It's I love just it. crazy. Because Justice Winslow, was a, he, was, uh, he was getting ready to be traded, whatever, labeled a bust, whatever. And now he's 
they're now he's a do everything. I mean, he's not a high scorer, but he he does everything for Miami right now. He's, he's probably he's playing the best ball. Oh, for sure. He's he's definitely become the best player on their team so far. I mean, you also have the likes of like a Josh Richardson, who's also a really nice player. He, I really really he like Josh hot, Richardson. but he's kind of te- you know kind of tapered off here as the middle of the season went on. But he'll come back around. I'm not worried about him. No, I, I really think Spolster does a lot with little. So let's go to number 12 here. Let's go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And man, you, I, I can't believe this dude has fallen to them because I, I don't think there's a better, there might not be many better player to team fits in this year's draft. I, if I'm the Timberwolves, I'm sitting here at 12. I'm taking Brandon Clark from Gonzaga. Gimme. Oh, wow. Easy. Gimme. Absolutely. Look, you're looking for, because remember, you have Towns and you have Wiggins. You need someone who can play with them. You also have Josh Okoji who can play the two. I would think point guard. But again, like we've talked about, this is not a point guard heavy draft. Like if you, the, you could reach for like Trey Jones right now and probably look like an idiot. But if you're the Timberwolves and you need someone who can play with Wiggins and with Towns, I'm going to take Brandon Clark. He can play two different positions at the three or the four. He can score like the Dickens. He's a great defender on both sides. He's leading college basketball in blocks right now with four a game. He's an outstanding player in terms of win shares and advanced analytics. My favorite thing about him, sure, he can't really shoot threes. He doesn't attempt them. Fine, whatever. He shoots 70% from the floor. He shoots 70% from the floor, and I don't need him to shoot threes. Carl Anthony Towns can shoot threes for me. That's fine. I need a dude who I know can get just can get buckets and will equal wins. I don't think Clark is going to be a big like stat guy, but he will be like a Marcus Smart for that team. He will just equal wins, and good lord, that team needs wins. I think he'd be a great fit next to Towns. Wow, that was a, I, I don't have him ranked that high. I do have him in the in the first round talk but i don't i don't have him ranked that high this place, maybe, the, this place in the lottery to, i'll let you into my mind a little bit here michael when you're yeah. in this place in the lottery and you think you're as close as the timberwolves obviously think they are with towns and wiggins you need to find guys at this point who you can't draft projects anymore they don't have time for projects like they gotta Agreed. start winning and, and, and he's more me, experienced, too. I, I, I thing. He, he's not just some random kid who played college basketball for one year. He is the best player on one of the best teams in the country. He's 22 years old already, a little bit more mature. And also, he's from Canada. So going to Minnesota, it's probably be pretty nice for him. Yeah, him and uh, Andrew Wiggins can talk to each other in exactly. Canadian. There you go. <laughs> Talking Canadian. LOL. <laughs> Look, I know that people are going to look at his age and, and kind of give him some demerits for it. I know that usually those guys kind of go in the Kyle Kuzma territory, but look, I think he's going to dominate for Gonzaga in the tournament. I think he is going to rip people up. He's he's 6'8", 215. He just scores crazy amounts of points. And also, when you have these great teams like a Gonzaga, who, you know, the only team to be Duke this year, you have to look at the guys in that team. Who makes them tick? It's like a couple of years ago with Kelly Olenek on Gonzaga. He clearly made them tick. They work almost everything through Brandon Clark. I know they have Rui Hachimara. I like Clark better. I think he's going to translate to wins quicker in the NBA. Wow. I mean, uh, I'm big going on to your I like point, I, I do think Clark is a good fit for Minnesota. Like I said, you have him higher than I do, which is, uh, which, like I told you, that tells you the, how – the crazy this first round is going to be because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of guys that we don't think are going to go. But how many times has a player uh, like a junior or a senior uh, been drafted in the 25 to 30 range and turned out into a stud? Exactly. Kyle Kuzma. Um, and then uh, obviously uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, other guys who've just been around for, you know, three years have turned into studs. But because they're a junior, their stock might not be as high as some of these guys who have all the, you know, all the, the, the youth on their side and, and they turn out to be something else. So, I mean, I do think that is a good pick. I, I, um, I think that uh, is, Min- for Minnesota, I can, I can accept that it's a reach, but one of the thing about my kind of the way I draft players, I love guys who come from great college coaches, especially if they've been there for a long time. Like those dudes, if they have the enough talent, they are intelligent enough to take their talent and turn it into like just outrageous play. And with Mark Few doing some great things over there in Gonzaga, I know Clark is 22. I know it's a little bit high, but 
come on. Like, let's get a little bit of veteran experience. Not veteran experience. Let's get, let's just not have another 19-year-old thrown onto this team. Like, let's get some guys who can win games. And look, again, at his position alone, at the four, there's a ton of guys still on the board I could have taken. You know, maybe it's a a Jante Porter or or even a Sekou Dumbia. Like, I could have reached for him. Like, Grant Williams from Tennessee, fine. I, I just want the kid who's been coached by Mark Few for three years, who drops 22 and 10 a night and shoots 70% from the floor. Those guys equal wins in the NBA. Yeah. Like the, fi- the, the efficiency is alone is, is ridiculous. Um, He's you know, top five in the end in, in college basketball right now and win shares and also player efficiency rating, like the advanced analytics love him. Absolutely. And, and that's what like, especially a team like Houston, that's what they thrive on is analytics. Exactly. So uh, you, you're right. Someone with someone who's got uh, an analytics front office is going to take him and probably take him uh, earlier than most expect to. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, you have a magical job coming up. Please and tell me it's the Lakers. Part. Yes, because the number 14 is the Lakers. See what I did there? That was that was funny and magical. Okay. Love it. Anyway. <laughs> well, wait, wait, just 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 because my dad jokes. There we go. Nailed it. All right. <laughs> Moving on here. At number 14 or 13, excuse me, are the Los Angeles Lakers. Very disappointing first season with LeBron James. No playoffs. No Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. The kids are pissed. You got to get a stabilizer in here at number 13. And also someone who can play with LeBron. Who you got? Well, um, I fully expect the the king to make the playoffs, so this is going to obviously be a a, a what if. Um, I am going to go. So, what do the Lakers lack? They uh, lack defense. a shot blocker, yeah, a defender. <laughs> I am going to go and take Bull Bull. Nice, because yes. While I think whether the Lakers make the playoffs or don't, they will address the center position in free agency. I think having Bull Bull just speeds up now your second unit, or if he's a starter, you need defense. Because I don't know, and I'm the biggest LeBron fan. I don't know if you've watched lately, but his defense is he doesn't def- try. He hasn't tried on defense since he left Miami. Well, Fair. he tries about the fourth quarter. When things are a little yeah. testy, and like when it when they played Atlanta, it was too late. Um, do, do you know what my favorite thing about Bull Bull is though? Because I not many people got to watch him because he only played nine games, right? But like in those nine games, he he was outstanding. That dude, dude, I had him ranked in the top so five before he shot his injury. Fifty like percent from three in nine games. Like sure, again, it's nine games, but he's seven three. He can't shoot 50% from three. That's not allowed to happen. I had him ranked in the top five before his injury. And the only reason I've lowered him is because, like you said, big men, or like everyone says, I, big, big men and leg injuries. Nope. nope, nope, nope. No, thank you. It, it, it's, 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 it's scary. But um, I have faith that uh, he's going to come in and he's going to jack lots of threes in the NBA. I, I think he'd be – the perfect big to pair next to LeBron. Sure, I know the 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 injury is definitely going to impact him a decent amount going forward. But look, you're trying to make a team for the modern day NBA, especially on that Lakers team with LeBron. Not only do you need someone who can block shots, you need a big who can run the floor. You need Absolutely. someone who has the athleticism and speed to be able to go baseline to baseline, keep up with LeBron, but also be relied upon to branch out and shoot threes, and then maybe also roll to the basket and throw it down. He can do. He's all gonna look things. like a giraffe out there. He's gonna look like a giraffe <laughs> out there. With the yellow, awesome. with the gold. Oh my god. <laughs> he. It's gonna be awesome. I really. I was so disappointed when he got hurt because I would be like, "Ooh, Oregon's playing tonight," and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I gotta find them." So I'd find him on the TV, and I'd be all about it. And then, and he got hurt. And so now, because the problem is now is that with him not playing, people are starting to like go down on him or get. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> They're starting to get down on him. Uh, the, um, again, people, three hours from Austin. I'm not doing great, but I just – I don't think that people physically understand what kind of player he is going to be in the NBA. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be – it's going to be him and Jaron Jackson Jr. just leading the way into the future as the next kind of bigs, along with Chris Stapps and along with you know all the other great unicorns we have. Bull yeah. Bull fits right in with those guys. They have the same skill sets. Absolutely. And he can put the ball on the floor. He looks funny doing it because he's so tall. But, man, I tell you, I, I, 
I just love his game. I really do. I mean, I loved watching his dad. I, I, yep. I enjoy watching him. I, I mean, these guys are like, and he needs to put on muscle. He oh, definitely dude, needs to put on muscle. Taller. Did you know that he's still projected to get taller? Oh, I know. Well, he's going to get taller. That's crazy. <laughs> he's already I, a tree. It's awesome. And we already have the uh, we already have a nickname for him. He'd be the What's California that? Redwood. The California Redwood. Yeah. There you go. A perfect nickname. All he'd have to do is stand there and block shots. Exactly. I, I like three that on offense. Also, one one other thing about Bobo. Before we move on to our last pick here, because we got to wrap things up soon. I like the fact that he could put the ball on the floor and cross some people up. He has a. I know it's high school and college kids, and it'll be different in the NBA. That guy's got handles. He can move the ball on the floor. He can really make some people look stupid at 7-2. Sure, he's not going to be Kyrie Irving, but again, he does a lot of things at his height that you're just you just look at and you're like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. That's not it's not fair. It's not allowed. It's illegal. Go play volleyball. Like it's just it's not what's supposed to happen. Oh, he would be a ridiculous volleyball player. Yes, send him to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's go to our last pick here, number fourteen. Uh, a very sad Kings team doesn't make the playoffs, and since they don't make the playoffs and they don't get the number one pick, their pick at number fourteen goes to my Boston Celtics. So I get to make a pick for the Celtics. This is great. Oh, imagine that. Beautiful. I I didn't plan this at all. I promise. <laughs> all right. So if you're the Celtics, you got to start projecting out what your team is going to look like. If you are planning on trading for Anthony Davis, then again, you're not even making this pick. This pick is being sent to to New Orleans uh, tonight. But in the case that you decide not to trade for Anthony Davis, and you're keeping the lights of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and you know probably letting Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris go. You need someone behind Kyrie Irving who is going to be able to run the offense. And as we've seen in the past, Danny Ainge loves drafting guards from big programs. And there is one guard that's coming out of a big program, would replace Terry Rozier perfectly, and that is Trey Jones, the point guard from Duke. Give so me my double Duke point guard combo. I, I think he is a perfect Celtic. As long as Rozier goes elsewhere, yes, I think he is a perfect Celtic. I think he's gonna he be would... an art. Someone's gonna someone's gonna give Terry Rozier the max and be an idiot about in three years. But if you're Probably the Celtic Phoenix, you don't need you don't need scoring. You don't need a score off the bench. You have Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford. Like you don't need scoring off the bench. You need a facilitator. You need someone who can run the offense. And if I'm looking for someone who can run Brad Stevens's offense, I want to go to a program that runs NBA-style offenses. It's why he drafted Terry Rozier. It's why he went after Kyrie Irving. Danny Ainge loves well-coached guys. And Trey Jones is on the board. I think his scoring will come around eventually. I mean, Terry Rozier, his first two years in the NBA, was an awful score and they developed him quite well I think Trey Jones could happen the same way sure he is undersized and I'm a little bit worried about his actual abilities to I guess shoot at an NBA level but if there's any team who can turn around Trey Jones's three-point shooting it's the team that made Marcus Smart a three-point shooting threat that is a very good point that's a very good point any Celtics this year it is astonishing how well Marcus Smart shoots the ball now. That and was he, impossible. He was. And he started that during the playoffs State. last year. He started that during the playoffs. Oh last yeah, year. and so I, I think Trey Jones could fit right into what they like from developing guards. And also, one other thing, he's a glue guy. He is yep. the glue guy for that that Duke team. He gets them going. He's their emotional leader. He's the one that makes sure that they are actually running the game plan. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of athleticism. At the end of the day, it's the floor general calling the shots. And I think Trey Jones would be a great, great backup for Kyrie Irving. I agree 100%. I like uh, I like Trey Jones as a stability on the back uh, second unit and then the backcourt. I really like it. I, I, think, I think Danny Ainge is such a smart GM. I could see that totally going his way. Hey, got three three Duke guys on your team. How bad could your NBA team really be? Just saying. 
Uh, that tells you how good Duke has been in the last five years. <laughs> exactly. Michael, we got to wrap things up here and we got to go because I need to go fall asleep because driving in Texas is just no fun at all. We will be back with you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Believe in NBA Prospect Show, also known as the Tanking Support Group here at Up and Under NBA. Michael, any last words for our people at home? Uh, no, I hopefully have some new content up on Up and Under this week and uh, check that out. Absolutely. And again, remember to go follow us on Twitter at Sportsteen. Go follow up and under NBA on Twitter as well. Michael, what's your handle? Shout them out. You've never shouted them uh, out for me. At Maximum Hoops NBA. There you go. I love it. I love it. All right, Michael. Thank you for joining us this week. And we'll see you guys on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.